Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. Welcome to today's show. Today we're talking with Matt Jerfy, who has been in the plumbing and heating industry since 2005. He's worked for a few different distributors around BC, and he sat on a number of construction boards, such as MCA and CHBA. And a fun fact about him is that he has traveled to about 30 countries. He is currently a partner at ProWest Sales and lives in Vancouver with his family and Wally, the Highland Terrier. Welcome to the show today, Matt. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so I, I asked you to join me on the show today to chat about on-demand hot water and combi boiler systems because um, we hear about them uh, and honestly, everybody seems to understand and, and know the conventional systems of a hot water tank and a furnace and mm -hmm. the Navian or the on-demand systems and combi boilers can basically replace both of those with a lot of benefits. So I just wanted to get into that. Um, and basically just educate our listeners with, you know, what exactly are these things and how do they replace the conventional things that we all know and love? Sure. Well, uh, I'm sure most of your viewers out there, they all have a conventional water tank or some sort of hot water generator to make domestic hot water to shower. So for an on-demand tankless unit, what you would do is you basically convert that tank into a on-demand unit that hangs on your wall, produces hot water only for what you use. So a conventional hot water tank, it's constantly heating that water up to 140 degrees, 24 seven, 365 days of year. And they're only about 60 to 67% efficient. So with an on-demand unit, your efficiency is drastically increased to about anywhere between 95 to 99% efficient. So meaning you give me a dollar, you get 99 cents in energy usage back. There's only one penny wasted basically. So, and then a combination system is taking that same on-demand unit that's hung on the wall and you combine that with a hydronic furnace. So basically a water furnace. So it's, you're combining two systems into one. So there's more energy efficiency, you get endless hot water, you get more efficiency on the heat. Um, yeah. And a lot of different configurations that you can do with it. And we're talking, when we talk efficiency, we're talking like dollars and cents in the homeowner pocket for savings. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course we're all on about, you know, becoming more and more efficient and treating our earth a little more kindly and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff. And this type of system was definitely beneficial. Um, now what about the size of these units? Are they similar or bigger or smaller than what we're used to? What, what sort of footprint are we needing to allocate for? Yeah, them? It's, a, it's a great question. I mean, generally, uh, your mechanical room is located into a centralized area in your house. You'll have a dedicated mechanical room, say a five by five or a five by six room with a sliding door. It's hidden. It's away. Um, you get your square footage back when you remove that hot water tank because um, you're hanging something on the wall. So combining that with a hydronic furnace, uh, your actual mechanical room footprint can be a three by three uh, box. So then you can actually hang a bracket, mount a bracket to the hydronic furnace, which is the iFlow in this, in this question, and you can hang the tankless directly onto it. So it's one nice compact system. So you gain a lot of your square footage back. Yeah, so if you're doing a, a renovation, particularly in a basement, you can actually gain a little bit of square footage mm -hmm. uh, 
back into your actual living space. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things you can do as well is with a tankless water heater, you have to have a two pipe venting system. So you have to have uh, air for combustion coming into the unit and then exhaust going out. So it's got to take two pipes. So by doing so, sometimes you have to figure out alternative venting. So you can either go up the existing uh, chimney, basically from that water tank, but then you still have your furnace that has to be vented up that chase. So you can't use that chase. So this is where combination systems come into play. But what I was getting at is you don't have to mount that tankless generally in the mechanical room anymore. You can mount it into a different room or on an exterior wall somewhere in the house. So now you're venting, you're only using a few feet as opposed to, you know, 20 to, to 60 feet. So you save a lot of money in that and you could free up more mechanical room space. And basically all we need to do then is, is uh, connect the two together with water yeah. lines. That two, three are, quarter yeah. pipes, that's it. Yeah. Um, and as far as, uh, um, I guess, any other things that we need to consider, uh, we just talked about venting for both mm -hmm. components. Mm -hmm. um, what else do we need to consider as far as, uh, you know, maybe is it the, the water coming into the house? Do we need to have a PRV valve, which is a pressure regulation valve coming into the home. Um, a lot of older places don't even have anything. Like it's just <laughs> direct from the, from the city into your house. Yeah. 150 um, PSI going in. Yeah. I yeah. mean, is that something that we need to be aware and careful about or yeah for sure i mean the, the units are definitely rated for it um but you're going to want to step it down to some sort of a usable uh psi of about 60 psi which is kind of standard so most homes have pressure reducing valves on their domestic hot water um but i mean yeah it's not that the one thing that you'd want to consider by doing that so remember we're going to an on-demand water heater so what that means is the unit is waiting for someone to turn on a faucet so it's got to see flow through the flow sensor and then it will start the activation of generating hot water so that sequence of events in itself can take a little bit of time so something that the homeowner might want to consider is some sort of recirculation so recirculation can be done in two ways with the Navient tankless. It can be done with an external recirculation loop. So basically it's a line that runs from your mechanical room to the tankless to the furthest faucet. However, in a retrofit application, you can't do that. You're not going to go open up walls. That's completely impractical. So on the one unit uh, for a Navient NPEA, the A stands for advanced, there's multiple recirculation options available. You can either do the recirc option externally or you can recirc internally using a really, really tiny little buffer tank. It's about the size of it. You can't see that because it's there, but it's about the size of a hot water bottle basically. And it recirculates the water in the heat exchanger and through that. So when someone turns on a faucet, it's already generating hot water. So it's deployed much faster. So it slows the window time. Then there's also another pre, I'm going to plug a bunch of stuff here because it all, it's all <laughs> makes life easier for everyone. Um, Navian makes another product called the Navi Cirque. And this is actually a really cool thing. So you take that recirculation pump inside of the Navian uh, on-demand tankless and you basically turn the home's hot and cold water lines into recirc line. Hot and cold water lines are already run there. Um, so what happens is the whole house has hot water. That valve, the Navi circuit's mounted on the furthest fixture. But the one thing to note is you're going to get hot water extremely fast. It'll outperform any conventional hot water tank. Um, but when the homeowner turns the cold water on, there'll be a slight little uh, bit of hot water. As cold water enters into the system, the unit will correct itself. Then the cold water will start right. flowing. 
but, so basically, basically this this recirculation system, mm -hmm. whichever version you choose, basically allows us to get around the the past problem Correct. of having to wait quite a while for the hot water to get from the tank to the in, in this case, like the furthest faucet, like in the bathroom or whatever, like in the farthest corner of the house, the, the greatest distance. And normally, absolutely, you know, I think the the downfall of these systems early on was that it, you know, there was that big lag in between turning something on and then you'd have to wait quite a while before, you know, hot water would get to you. Um, absolutely. So these recirculation systems are basically solving that problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, there are um, other, like even just a that's attached to it as well. Is that another option or is it just basically let's just do the research deal and it's more efficient and more effective than yeah, having small so tank adding behind anything. I'm a huge proponent of not heating any storage wa stored water when you don't have to. Why heat that water? So anytime you store water in a tank, you got to remember you have to heat it to a minimum 140. That's code. Right. So by doing it, so and that's where people, they have on-demand units, well, they want it set to 150, 140. Well, why would you set it to 150, 140 when it's A, it's on-demand, you don't need to, and have the tankless do the mixing instead of mixing at your faucets. So what you'd be doing if you heat it to 150 is you heat the water up to mix it down. That whole gap on the curve, you're losing your efficiency. Yeah. You're just wasting that money. So you want to have the tankless run at lowest temperatures as possible. So it acts as your mixing valve, basically. Yeah. yeah that's no, where you see true efficiencies. Yeah, that's, that's, it makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, now, what about um, from a power standpoint? What kind of electrical requirements are there? Is it just we take out what we have and put in something new and there's no big deal? Or are we going to have to run a new circuit from our electrical panel? Is there something that we should really be aware of as homeowners. Um, good question. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Uh, it's a very common one too at that. Tankless water heaters, they use very little power, essentially a 15 amp breaker um, is all that's needed. And generally there's one close by in the mechanical room. So you can even lump it on with a furnace. That's fine too, as well. So if you think about your power, you're just using a spark ignition basically, and essentially a fan and some basic motors inside. So it's very, very low power consumption. Right. Okay. And when we're talking about um, swapping out our furnace to the, this combi system, mm -hmm. um, I, I would imagine people will go, well, is it going to be as effective for my heating um, and or cooling? Like, can we have a, a, a heat pump that sort of, it works in tandem with this whole system? Is that something that um, that is not available to people when they change over to the system or is it something that they can still employ? Yeah, it, it, the, the answer is all of the above. You can definitely do it. So I, again, back to Navian makes natural gas products. Um, iFlow is essentially neutral on where the heat source is. They look at, they want to be paired with any type of heat source, whether it is a heat pump, uh, Navian boiler, Navian tankless, uh, any other manufacturers of boilers. Um, doesn't matter where the heat of the hot water comes from. And then you put a, a, a cooling coil, which is called an A-coil on top of the furnace. That's where your heat pump comes in. But one thing that the iFlow can do is it can choose with different temperatures outside on when you switch over from your heat pump to natural gas. So heat pumps generally, um, 
they don't work efficiently and effectively at low, low temperatures. So that's where natural gas comes into play, where it's more, uh, actually heating with natural gas is more financially uh, effective, but you know there obviously is, is a carbon footprint. That's where you wanna have the 99% efficient tankless units. Um, but yeah, you can choose on how you take your energy, whether it comes from a heat pump, comes from a boiler, comes from a tankless water heater, doesn't matter, the iFlow doesn't care. Okay, yeah, so then what if someone wants to, have air conditioning in their house. Mm -hmm. No problem. No problem with so, that. Yep. No, no problem. Um, this takes things one step further in a retrofit application or new construction. Uh, homeowners actually have the option to take that base iFlow unit and we have uh, a zoning option with it. So it takes that same chassis of the iFlow, the iFlow say 18,000, and you can hook up four zones to it. You just need to make sure you have an inverter heat pump. Basically an inverter heat pump is a modulating heat pump basically. So Same as a, what, what, what exactly does a modulating heat pump mean? That's a new term for me. So modulation is best described as you take your foot on the gas, you're at 15% break or a gas go down to hundred percent. You've cranked it. So all of that gas pedal module, that's called modulation. Okay. So yeah. amount of gas going in and what you do. And this is, this is the key thing when it comes to efficiency and effectiveness and appliance is you want to have a wider range of modulation. If you limit your modulation window, your gas pedal, well, how is that effective going from 60 to 100 and only having that? What about when you're in town and you're going to the stop sign, you got to slowly stop, slowly <laughs> start up again. It, it doesn't make any sense. So, and this is where these types of systems can be vastly efficient and they'll actually outperform any type of most uh, efficient furnace on the market because they can pair themselves with boilers or tankless water heaters and they have a higher uh, what's called turn down ratio. The bigger the turn down ratio, the more modulation. So the, there's a new Navian tankless called an NPEA2. That unit can modulate up to 200,000 BTUs all the way down to 13,000 BTUs. It's one of the wow. biggest gap. Yeah, it's, yeah that's, it's, a, that's a big spread. Oh my goodness. It, it's, it's huge. And they have some boilers that will go down to 8,000 BTUs. So one of the biggest challenges in the HVAC industry is and this is exactly what you do, why people employ you is they want you to come into their house. I want new windows. I want new insulation. I want new insulation in my attic. So what happens is now that conventional 80,000 BTU furnace, now you only need maybe 45,000 BTUs, but the smallest furnace on the market, there's a couple of them. There's some, some debts and Chinook, which are really nice too. Um, but generally, like if you look at, I'm not picking on these guys, just it's fact, uh, like Lennox Carrier, it's they're about a 60, 60,000 BTU furnace. So now you're oversizing your heating equipment and your minimum fire is 20%. What about those shoulder season when it comes to April, September, when you only need, you know, 13,000, 10,000 BTUs? It can't be done. So you create that short cycling on the thermostat off on off on off on right which is uncomfortable yeah yeah for sure um now all of this sounds fantastic uh mm. when my hot water tank dies <laughs> i will definitely be looking to put in a, a different system as well as our furnace mm -hmm. um we're a little ways yet because we had replaced it whatever about 10 years ago so we're, we're getting close but you know let's just ride out the are what we have at the moment and when it dies we'll definitely look at replacing it um but when would a system like this not be advisable for a homeowner like in, in what cases would maybe it would this wouldn't be something that we would want to do or um even in we, we were mentioning about the size of the house like 
would there be a case where you would need more than one type of, uh, you know, we need two on-demand systems as yeah, it's instead of one. Great segue into that because the limitations on these systems is the domestic load. Uh, so when I say domestic load, it's the amount of uh, hot water being consumed in the house. So the amount of people that live in the house to the amount of bathrooms that are in the house. So in some cases in a large house where there's five or six bathrooms, uh, well, it's well, it's mathematically impossible for a tankless unit to produce that much flow rate. Uh, and that, and, that, and that really comes down to, I'm just going to interject there. That's, that's when like, uh, you have a dishwasher, a lot your laundry's going and you have a shower and then somebody wants to fill a bathtub. Like there's just too much demand on Correct. one particular unit. But if you had that many appliances and bathrooms and only one person lived in the house and they were only doing one activity at a time, you would still be able to meet the load, right? Yeah, ab absolutely. So the, the limitations on the iFlow side, just in terms of BTU is up to a hundred thousand BTUs, which will do most homes. But that single unit only has the capability of doing about three and a half to four tons. So when I say tons, that's your cooling load. And this is where the disparity in the industry is coming up is your, your heating loads are going down and your cooling loads are going up. People want more windows. They want, um, you know, they want AC in areas where generally you don't need to cool basements, but uh, so you could just size it to the top floor. Um, but yeah, sorry, where I was going with that is, is domestic hot water. So what you can do is you look to an alternative approach is sometimes you maybe want to lump that in with a combination boiler and a tankless hot water heater. So then you use, it's basically just another difference of components. So if you simplify the system, tankless air handler, which is a hydronic furnace, uh, you're limited to about 100,000 BTUs and about three, three bathrooms. That's the average size. That's about where, where, where the sweet spot would be. Which is, you know, your average bungalow, you know, Correct. you've got an upper and a lower bathroom, maybe in a powder room, for instance, yep. and, you yep. know, you've got, you know, your, your conventional family of, you know, parents and a couple of kids and a dog, right? The, the nuclear know. family. Nuclear family. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, well, when would it be something that you would just not consider at all? Like... Or, or is that, well, or that would not even happen? No, because it's just a different configuration and how you use the components. So, you know, we've done um, a, a lot of larger homes where we'll have two iFlow units and a centralized combination boiler. So a combination boiler is a boiler that's capable of space heating. So like your radiant floor or your hydronic air handlers, and it will also do domestic hot water on demand. So it's like a tankless meets a boiler together. Mm -hmm. And you can take that controlling all of your eye flows, and then you put a tankless water heater beside it. So that system now will produce about 10 gallons per minute of domestic. So it can do uh, multiple families living in one residence. So an upstairs suite and a, and a, and a top floor suite um, and, you know, five bathrooms at the same time, if not more in some cases. So everything can run at the same time. You have redundancy. Uh, anytime you do larger homes, uh, redundancy is very important. When I say redundancy, it means two of something. So if something goes down or needs to be serviced, you have two of them. That's engineering 101, redundancy important, especially in larger scale, multiple family stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's it's great. And that's one of the systems I'm thinking of comes to mind. It was two iFlow systems. Each of them were four zones. There was eight zones total in the house. So now for the first, not for the first time, but the first time the industry's seen it as easy as it is to zone a house in forced air. 
It's very simple. So now you can use your forced air system similar to a hydronic system. It's one of the uh, reasons why people enjoy um, radiant uh, floor heat is because you can zone it per room, you can zone it per area and have different temperatures in, in all the different areas. Now we can do the same thing with, with iFlow and it's very easy for the contractors to install. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if you're doing a substantial renovation where you're, you know, blowing out a bunch of absolutely walls and all that kind of stuff, you can probably more easily start zoning things but if you're yep. you know still confined you kind of have like one zone for, <laughs> for yep. the, the whole and that's my case in my house too with my renovation you know like i i'm ripping out a, a portion of my mechanical room but i'm fortunate to, ha to have enough is i have the south on one zone on my house south area and then in the north area my ducting is right there so i could put two dampers in there and zone my, my house north south nice nice so, yeah um, there's options now the um we, we live in BC for anybody who happens to be listening outside of our geographic area here. And, um, and there's probably many other uh, promotions or whatever like this in different areas, but we have a, a lot of um, push right now, especially from, you know, our cities with our, and our building code and all that kind of stuff, really pushing us towards being more and more energy efficient. And of course they wanna incentivize people to do more work around that. So like you're saying, like whether it's new windows or, you know, better weather stripping around our doors and all that kind of stuff as a bare minimum. And then of course, if we're building, we're, you know, insulating like more and more um, to be able to make our houses be a little bit less, absolutely uh, less of a sieve um, in that regard. But of course, when we go to incentivize people on a, from a, a government level, those come in the form of rebates. So um, are you finding that, there's more and more of those types of programs, like through Fortis here in the lower mainland, um, maybe even up north. Are there things that are, you know, being brought up so that we're incentivizing people to put mm -hmm. these things in, even though they cost a little bit more than a conventional system? Yeah, rebates have been around for quite some time. I mean, even when I was just coming into the industry in the early 2000s, uh, there was government incentive um, through through heat pumps, uh, gas furnaces, tankless water heaters, and they've kind of they've stayed since then. They're off and on through through the years. Now, I think there's a greater push. Obviously, the uh, the government of Canada has mandated through that this is going to be you know 2050, 2030. There's got to be steps and getting towards uh, uh, somewhat of a carbon neutral footprint so yeah there are a, quite a bit of incentives through that uh, combination uh, systems just by combining the the systems and having that big turndown of modulation um, not heating stored water you can reduce your potentially because it's all based on usage yeah what, what 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 i do find is people get these nice on-demand tankless water heaters and geez i don't now run they, out of hot water anymore shower. that's exactly <laughs> endless hot water hey you know my nice hot tub outside i can fill that thing so yeah. it's, it, you know, it, so it's a double-edged sword. So, but, uh, but back to the rebate side. So right now, Fortis BC, they're the uh, gas utility in BC. Um, they're, they're a really good company. They, they've had a lot of rebates uh, over the course of basically since they've been in existence in BC. So on a tankless water heater, there's a thousand dollar incentive right now. And on combination systems, there's a $1,200 incentive. And then because you're combining two appliances, you're combining your, your space heating and your domestic hot water together, um, they give you a top-up bonus of uh, $300. So there's $1,500 for a system like this. Uh, generally, periodically, uh, they, they offer other additional incentives through that. So last year, 
uh, till the end of, I believe it was till the end of December, they offered double the rebate. So they doubled it. So there was about a $2,800 rebate yeah. through that. Yeah. yeah we, and there's we, other, we put in a couple of systems right at the end of yeah, the year it, for people. And yeah, I think they got like 2,700 bucks or something. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, it's enough to, to, to push the dial over for the, the homeowner to make that uh, consideration. Well, and then, I mean, like you say, it's based on usage, but mm-hmm. our, our, our heating bills and our, you know, water bills are, are being reduced, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. We have kind of like an average, like, you know, we're going to be saving 10% on our bills or 50% on our bills. Like what, what is sort of the, the average, if the usage stays the same, I get this question all the time and it, and it, it it is, it is a hard one to, cause if I say a number, then it's expected and implied that it would be that way. But generally speaking, um, what I have seen, um, is around anywhere between a 10 to 30% um, reduction in your energy costs. Right. But again, it's so situational. You can't give a hard number, but Look at it this way, okay? So remember, our, the tankless water heaters that Navian has are NPE. They're 96 to 99% efficient. A conventional water tank is about 60 to 67%. You change to high efficient, you're not heating stored water, okay? So you have no standby loss. So you're going from 60 to 90, there's 30%. So by reducing, say, 30% on year, there's about a 30% greenhouse gas reduction too as well. So all right. of our energy targets as a country, we're already trending in that way. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if the government or the province flicks the switch and says no more atmospherically vented hot water tanks, right? This, the technology's out there. It's easy. We're all using it anyways. Tankless water heaters, condensing boilers. So it's uh, it's already a step in the right direction, put it that way. Yeah, for sure. Now, um the last question I sort of have for you uh, today, <clears throat> unless there's something else you want to, to share with us, is Lots we're all about technology and connectivity and all that kind of stuff. Um, what sort of application does the, the, the tech side, like from my phone doing something like starting to heat my house before I get home and all that kind of stuff. Is there any of that ability? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. On the tankless side. Uh, so all, all the manufacturers that I rep, um, there, there's a Wi-Fi option or app. There's, you know, the phrase, there's an app for that. Well, there is an app for that. So Navian has a product called the Navi link, which you can pair to any one of the Navian devices. Uh, it basically gives you research capability on your phone to control the research, when to turn it off on, when to control the window of research. Uh, look at, and here's where it goes back to how much gas am I actually saving? How much it actually has your gas usage patterns. So you can see how many gigajoules did I use in the month? Exactly. And it'll nice show it on a nice graph and bar. So I love it for that. You can also control different supply set point temperatures. However, I don't recommend homeowners to be doing that. Um, Actually something else I do want to mention, and and this is very important for homeowners to I very, very uh, much encourage homeowners to ask their contractors, um, what's outdoor reset? So outdoor reset um, takes any condensing appliance, whether it be a condensing boiler, a boiler, or a tankless water heater with a certain combination. And it's it's an outdoor sensor that gets placed outside. And that provides the temperature to the unit. The unit will then know what to do and to provide the systems for power and BTUs to the system. So as it gets colder outside, the unit will create a hotter water temperature. As it gets colder outside, it will lower the set point temperatures. So as a a fun engineering stat, for every three degrees, you lower the water temperature, you save 1% on your utilities. 
on your energy, basically. So the lower the water temperature, the more money that you save. So by not providing the outdoor temperature, the boiler is going in blind or tankless water heater has no idea what's happening. So it's a single temperature. So you're essentially kind of dumbing down the system basically. So right. um, all boilers, all tankless water heaters, um, I shouldn't say all, all our products do have that capability. So I do find a lot of contractors not want to put it in because it, it does create a varied water temperature, um, but it's all in the greater good of efficiency. So it, it's just for the better. Some people can't explain it well enough. Um, so it, it, I find when it becomes a problem is when homeowners don't understand it. But there's also the adverse side too. There's with, with comfort, there's a sacrifice for utility. So some people just want, I want my house scorching hot at 30 degrees. Some people like, well, I like 22 degrees. I like 19 degrees, save on energy. Um, so it's, there's, there's a place for it, but I do encourage them to ask about it and do install it. It's a, it's a, that alone can save 10 to 15% off your energy bill just by doing that outdoor sensor. Yeah. I mean, like there's all these, it's, it's like building a puzzle. There's like a, a whole bunch of pieces that can fit together that exactly. give you the most, um, you know, reliability, well, not even reliability, but just like consistent temperature, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, savings and, uh, you know, usage knowledge and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's kind of a fascinating way to put all the pieces together. Now, what about maintenance? Um, just going to say that <laughs> I, I think that's kind of like the, the final piece that, that the majority of people are going to be wondering about how easy are they to maintenance? What do we have to do? Is it, you know, like in the past we would change out our, our, our furnace filters regularly and all that kind of stuff. So what do we need to do for these types of systems as far as maintenance is concerned? Yeah, great, great topic. I think that's something that everyone, uh, you know, needs to know about. Um, let's break it down into two sides. So if we look at the iFlow side, which is our hydronic furnace, it's very similar um, furnace uh, maintenance. So changing your filters, um, you know, and one of the things about the iFlow is how you tell if your furnace filter needs to be changed is, uh, the iFlow is a, it's a constant CFM. So meaning it has the capability of going from 0% to 100% pushing airflow capacity. So what happens is if it sees too much pressure on the filter side, it'll automatically up the pressure going out to the system. So in some cases, if the furnace filter doesn't get checked for years, it could sound like a jet engine because it's trying to push all that airflow through the system. But the iFlow is smart enough to, to make those calibrations and up, up the pressure. Anyways, it's just a fun fact. You can't see that one. Um, on the tankless side, it does get a little bit more robust on the maintenance side. Um, so remember a, a conventional water tank, it has, it's, it's an, it's an open, it's an open vessel basically. Um, it's why you pull out a, a 40 gallon hot water tank. Sometimes it could weigh an extra 50 to 60 pounds, all that sediment and calcium, basically it pools up in the bottom of the heater. So that's because it's running at higher temperatures. Remember tankless water heaters, you can reduce the temperature with outdoor reset on domestic. You can turn it to 120 degrees. So you don't get as much minerals out of the water but there still is a flush that you have to do through the heat exchanger if you can equate it to for homeowners it's like flushing the the it's it's like changing the oil on your car mm -hmm. so that's basically you want to do that i would say once a year um, basically you have isolation valves in the bottom of the tankless and you create a loop and you just flush some citric acid based solution through it 
And is that uh, something that a homeowner can do, or do we need to hire someone to do that? They can, if they're technically savvy. Um, you know, it's, it's not, I see some homeowners that do it. Um, but what, one nice thing about calling a contractor is it puts a second pair of eyes looking at the system. They're looking at the venting, they're looking at the filters, they're looking at flow rates, they're looking at, you know, is your thermostat set up? So sometimes it's always nice to, I recommend getting a contractor. Um, you know, obviously I do my own service myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple to do yourself. You know, the other thing on the Navian side is checking your filters, looking at your air filter on the top uh, left-hand corner of the unit, making sure there's no debris outside by your vents. You know, I see a lot of times I'll go onto a job site and I'll see the nice fresh air intake on the wall and then I'll see a dryer vent coming out there. So you're taking the dryer vent and going right into the Navian. Yeah. Nav <laughs> Navians <laughs> love that. It's so good for them. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, essentially the maintenance is pretty simple, so it's uh, you know yeah, but so it's it does like, a, like an annual thing, and you know, like you always have had to do, we keep an eye on on your filter, and yep. you know, it, it's not like there's something that's going to be really onerous about it, or yep. that you never yep. have to do it again. Like there's it's still sort of a, a conventional wisdom is kind of that annual check kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, in 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 most cases in BC, the water is generally good. In the Lower Mainland, um, you know, Vancouver, North Van, it's pretty good. There's some pockets in White Rock out in the valley. If you're on well water, um, you know, if you the the three biggest things that you want to look for is in water quality is hardness total dissolved solids and manganese. So you're, if you're within the kind of the, the normal realm of operation, then you're fine. If you're out, if you have too much hardness, that's more service that has to be done basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you, in some cases uh, you could do a, a tankless service every two years. Yeah. Well, like I know I, I grew up in Alberta and the water there is much different than it is here. So obviously yeah. re regionally you would have to just make sure that you, you know, address your system in the, the way that the region would sort of demand that you do that. Absolutely. Yep, yeah. for sure. Well, I feel like we've covered so much stuff and I I have learned a few new tidbits, which is fantastic for me personally, so I can share those with uh, potentially our, our homeowner clients. For sure. Um, now, a homeowner is not going to contact you directly to put a system in. So our, you know, your recommendation, my recommendation is that they work with a contractor mm -hmm. to, you know, talk about what their needs are and, the best sort of fitting of all those puzzle pieces together to, to create a system that's going to work for them, whether it's one tank or two tanks or, you know, however that's going to, going to work for them and the size of their house and what their, their, their needs and their demand loads are. Um, so I, I don't think it's worth having anybody come directly to you in the showroom, but is, is there, um, totally. I, I don't mind for people to reach out to me uh, via email. That's totally fine because I know we know a lot of mechanical contractors at ProWest. So there's certain areas that we can refer or pitfalls to avoid. I don't mind doing that. I'll throw my email out there. Um, it's why, don't, why don't you just say it for the... Sure. Yeah, it's Matt's with two T's at ProWestSales.com. Fantastic. Um, now, before we just close out the show, I always like to ask a couple of questions. Um, sure. They're not too nefarious or anything. So don't worry. We're not going to get fired over <laughs> saying something that, you know, you wish you hadn't. Um, so for you personally, uh, what would you like to change or renovate most in your own home? 
selfishly put, it's always my mechanical room. Always. <laughs> it's always the mechanical room. So uh, at Pro West, we split the company into decorative and mechanical. And it's, uh, you know, we have amazing decorative lines. We have amazing mechanical lines. But, you know, my, my, my passion, obviously, is in mechanical side. So, you know, it's, it's the tankless water heater, the hydronic air handler, the iFlow, you know, looking at... I, <laughs> at ducting systems that are unique out there, new, latest and greatest, you know, it's, it's always the mechanical room for me. Right. But I mean, like after you do your own mechanical room, then what, 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 what are you going to, what are you going to pretty up in your house? Bathroom and kitchen. You guys, Bathroom and kitchen. That, that's, of course. that's it. Or, or the garage. Cause it's place for the tools and everything like that. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. So that's, that's a perfect segue into my second question, Sure. which is, are you handy? I believe that you are. Um, and because you are, uh, what, what's your favorite tool? What do you like? What's your favorite tool or what, what's will, the most to the tool you use the most? Well, to plug Milwaukee, I, I got to say that M18 and M12, uh, the platform, it's just amazing. I mean, you know, for, you, you could take that tool of just the battery and plug it to everything. So I find myself buying like, Oh, I could buy a new drill. I could buy a new leaf blower. Oh, I could get a chainsaw. Oh, I can get this. So I just, I keep going back to anything Milwaukee. So good job, Milwaukee crew. I got to say that. The big red. Awesome. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, Matt. Well, you know, again, it's been really fabulous having you on the show today. Like I say, I've learned a lot. Thanks for having me. Um, our listeners will as well. And um, I hope you just have a really super rest of the rest of your day. Right back at you. Good luck out there. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for All Things Renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.